Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of the Color Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as Saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Color Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends. To find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Welcome to anyone who's here for the first time, anyone who's joining Sisterhood. So it's going to be good. All right, this morning, everyone say this morning. We are going to have, you're getting, right now you're getting um, Bobby, you're getting meat and potatoes, Bob. Is that all right? Meat and potatoes, Bob. Like sometimes... Yeah, sometimes you turn up to conference and it's a little bit more, you know, whatever. But like sisterhood is kind of meat and potatoes. It's, it's just everyday life. And I think somewhere I posted this week about um, the nature of sisterhood, which we've been doing since September 94. Anyway, <laughs> do you think the Lord's ever going to come back? No. Yes, He is. No, He is. What? A, he is so coming back one day. And we are going to be at our post and ready, right? Amen. But um, why am I telling you that? Oh yeah, I just was talking about the nature of sisterhood and actually what these mornings are about. And I sometimes say, look, I'm not trying to be Bible college up here as if I could be. And that's not to be dismissive of what I can bring to the table or anyone on this platform can, but rather we're here to be to do real life. We're like real women doing real life with a very real God, facing real challenges and real joys. And that's the power of sisterhood. So our fellowship at the front end is critical. Our being in the room is critical, amen? All right, last week, um, just as a quick, very quick recap, um, I read from Psalm 20. I'm not gonna do that again, but Psalm 20 is beautiful. I love it, I often bring it to the table. So I read from Psalm 20. I drew attention um, again that we have a divine encourager in the person of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that lovely? He is altogether lovely. Everyone say, altogether lovely. We have a divine encourager that we must not forget. He's there and He's desirous to come alongside of us to be our travelling companion and to make Himself known. And then also, I, um, I paused on the fact that Jesus, I believe Jesus is actually has a very clear commitment to our safety. If I can remind you again from the prayers in John, He prayed to the Father about us, His disciples, and He says, Father, not one of them that You have given me, I have lost. Now, you know, there was one who betrayed Him who was lost, and Jesus mentions that. But big picture, He has a huge commitment to our safety. And that's what I wanna drive home. That's what I want as your senior friend and pastor. I wanna drive home this reality that we have a sense of personal revelation when it comes to being safe and sound. Amen? First love, our first love. Do you know, it's, we can walk away from our first love, but first love on behalf of our Saviour King, He never walks away from first love. He is committed to us in Jesus' Name. So I gave you four points. The first was safe and sound <clears throat> is not a fairy tale. It is not. I said, secondly, safe and sound is actually part of our heritage and our legacy. The third was that safe and sound um, is actually in the blood of a poured out Saviour. Um, and then fourthly, last week, I said that safe and sound is found literally, or it is the fruit of well-worn pages. 
we find our sense of safe and sound here. There is a high tower. Fairy tale and fantasy has um, um, heroes and villains and horses and towers in it. And we have a gospel message where there is a hero. There is a villain, but he is defeated. One day there will be a white horse, hallelujah. And you know what? There is a safe tower. There's a place of refuge for us to find in our walk with Christ. And so I love that. Ended with um, a question out of a movie um, that I told you about. And the question was, do you find or can you find Eden in the chaos? And some of our team smiled and I heard them react down here because really that is a resounding theme in our church. The ability to find um, Eden in the midst of chaos. And I said last week that we are all actually an unfinished garden. And we just need to remember that. When you're looking at that person you do life with and you think, what is wrong with them? They're full of weeds. Well, they're just an unfinished garden. And sometimes we just got to remember these um, realities. And I had someone um, link in from overseas and watch it. I'm not going to say who it was. But afterwards, when I got home, there was a text saying, finding Eden in the chaos. So, you know, these words are real and I love it. And again, it's a prevailing theme, I think, within our church. I think we need to always remember we came, this is colour, this is like signature 101 for us. We came from a garden, we're gonna return to a garden one day. The devil sabotaged the plan in a garden. And here's the Gospel. Christ laid down His life in a garden. And He lost His life on the cross, didn't He? He lost His life on the cross, but literally I think He really gave up His life and laid down His life in that garden. When He said, Father, if there is any way, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And so it's magnificent what God has entrusted to us, hey? So again, I'm camping here within our broad brush language of you know um, friendship, community and cause. Again, because I believe, let me be repetitive, that the revelation of safe and sound is gonna leak <coughs> over others. It's gonna leak into others. And you know, Thomas Hansen stood here on Sunday night and I think he may have spoken to the whole church. Did he? I, I, I get confused over where the links are and what have you. He brought such a beautiful, <clears throat> really simplistic evangelistic message. Thomas Hansen from our church in Copenhagen. And again, just the art of us leaking the good thing, leaking the story, amen. So um, <clears throat> I love that and I, I believe that. Do, do, do any of you believe that Christianity should be an oasis? Christianity should be magnetic. Christianity should have something about it that is compelling towards a place that is safe and sound and that is our challenge and our great commission. So let me just frame the morning with a little story. I hope I can tell it. <clears throat> a little story. So earlier in the year on the Colour Marathon, we ended up in London. I don't think I've told you this story. I don't think I have. Anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> just indulge me if I have. Laugh at the right points. Actually, there's nothing funny in it. All right, so anyway, we're in London and we're in the middle of the... the um, the marathon, we would have done the USA. I probably had, oh, I don't know. Let me think. One, two, three, four, five, six. I had six under my belt and we had London to go and Ukraine to go. And so we do the logistics when we land. We land, we go straight into planning meetings to make sure all the teams up there are on the page. And then for me, I ended up with an afternoon free. And unlike the team down here who go to rehearsals night and day, but nevertheless, I had an afternoon free. So I thought, well, you know what? I can actually just um, implode in my room 
or I can go out. And so I chose to go out and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna get a taxi, a cab down to Harrods and I'm gonna wander through the food court of Harrods. Okay, last week I talked about the Palace of Versailles, how I've never been there and all the times we've been to France for our church, but I have been to Harrods Food Court. Has anyone ever been to Harrods Food Court? All right, lucky travellers. Anyway, so you go there, it's just, you just wander mindlessly. You go there because you want to, you want to marvel at all the stuffed dates from Iran and the Middle East. You wanna go there and marvel at the English strawberries that look like they've been packed by Mary Poppins. <laughs> Seriously, right? Whenever I go there, I always try to buy Gary Clark in London, our pastor up there. I always try to buy him some baklava. Does anyone like baklava? to die for. I buy it for him, but really it's so that he will open it and we can all eat it. But anyway, that's what I try to do for Gary. <clears throat> and so anyway, I'm wondering, thinking I'm gonna have some lunch at the Fish and Chip, the Fish and Chip bar. <laughs> it's my Kiwi, the Fish and Chips. The Fish and Chip bar that's in the corner. Well, I get there and I'm like, where is the Fish and Chip? What is wrong with Harrods? They are modernising. How dare they? I mean, that is iconic, that food hall. It is like you've stepped into Mary Poppins, literally. So there's no fish and chip bar in the corner. And I'm like, ah. And there's really nowhere I could go. So I thought, oh, well, who needs to eat? It's overrated. <clears throat> anyway, so I thought I'll just go for a wander upstairs as you do. You only window shop at Harrods, by the way. You're gonna buy something, you're gonna really want that thing because usually our dollar is not strong. So anyway, I'm wandering aimlessly, you know, dragging my foot because I have a hip issue that basically cracks up after 40 minutes of walking. <laughs> Isn't that sad? Do you love this detail? I'm wasting all my time on detail. Anyway, I'm dragging myself through the third or fourth or I don't know what floor and lo and behold, there is the Fish and Chip Cafe. They have temporarily relocated it upstairs. So I think, great, I'm gonna sit down. Sit down at the counter, there's really no one around. I get engrossed in my phone. Yeah, story of my life. I get engrossed in this phone. And then I kind of look up at one point and oh, there's more people at the counter. I'm like, oh, it's obviously lunchtime at Harrods, awesome. And so then I get engrossed in my phone again. And then I kind of, out of the corner of my eye to my left, I notice that there's a, uh, a woman sitting there. And so I come out of my phone and I just really look at her lunch. And I say, wow, that looks so delicious. Because she ordered fish and chips. Unlike me, who for some ridiculous reason chose a salad. Why? <laughs> Why would I choose a salad when I could have had fish and chips and that was my goal? But anyway, nevertheless. And so she goes, oh, thank you. Yours looks delicious too. I'm like, no, yours looks really delicious. And then we started a conversation for an hour and a half. She was the most beautiful woman and it was just inquired. She was a foreigner. She wasn't from the UK. And I'm like, oh, you're like, what are you doing here? Do you? She said, I always come here when I come to London. Um, <clears throat> she said, I'm here to see my publicist, blah, blah. And I begin talking and we just start chatting. And to be honest, um, you know, I just did everything, not intentionally, but kind of naturally, be proud of me girls. Because remember we were talking about the art of reconciliation. Ah, I know, I applied all my thoughts. It was amazing. And I didn't realise till afterwards, I went, I actually applied my message about having a chat with someone. Made it all about her, was in crying of her and her children, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> so again, in the midst of the conversation, it becomes apparent that she's quite famous in her field. 
She's actually quite a famous author. Perhaps not of a genre of book that I would read. So then I'm like, oh my gosh, am I talking to someone really famous and I don't know? <laughs> yeah, so anyway, she was very gracious. Um, anyway, here's the point. She suddenly starts telling me her entire life story. And then in the midst of it, an hour and a half in, she says, I actually don't know why I am telling a complete stranger every detail of my life. To which I said, I mean, she kind of didn't know the breadth of our lives, but she had a little bit of an idea. You always show pictures of your children in a conversation like that if you have children and then it opens up a wider world. But anyway, she said, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. And I said, well, I'm actually a pastor and I'm safe. And she said, yeah, I can actually see that. And then she said, she said, it's the strangest thing. She's absolutely beautiful. She said, it's the strangest thing. Everywhere I go at the moment, I keep seeing these three words, three words. And she goes, I, I get on an aeroplane. I see them on the plane. I get off at the airport. I see them. I'm driving down the street. I see them on buildings. She goes, even someone I love um, who recently passed, the only thing that they journaled and wrote for days prior to passing were these three words. So I'm sitting there going, what were the three words? And she was very hesitant because she was kind of mindful, maybe embarrassed. I don't know. She said, I just keep seeing these words. God is love. Everywhere I go, I see God is love. And here she is sitting at the fish and chip bar with a girl who loves God, right? And so I just wanna say that love, she said, all I see is God is love. I wanna say love, love move, love, and the, God is love. <laughs> he is the, he is, he is love, you can't just, He is love, right? Love moved heaven and earth to make us safe. And um, again, I, I'm barking on this girls, but I believe God wants to heighten that in us. Not that it's, so that, so that it's not just a theory, it's just not a, you know, a go-to that, no, so that it is so alive in us so that we can actually become an oasis for others. But for it to be an oasis for others, it has to be an oasis in us. The revelation that we are safe and truly sound in the Lord Jesus Christ, regardless of where we measure up in life or think we measure up or whatever, wherever we are on the journey, that it become an oasis, amen? So I'm gonna go to number five. Four last week and number five. This is what I think number five should be. Safe and sound <clears throat> is why James wrote us a letter. It is why he wrote us a, le a letter. James being the brother of Jesus, wrote a profound letter. Every letter in this Word is profound. It is there for a reason. There is intent in everything. But he wrote a letter that was um, not small in content, not small in, in, in intent, not small in um, power. It was not small in revelation. He wrote a letter for a reason. So I'm gonna read it to you if I may. Is that all right? Might need to put my glasses on. All right, so James chapter one, and I am reading from um, the Passion because I just tend to have this one on me all the time, praise the Lord. So verse two, it says, my fellow believers, which would be us, 
When it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. Verse three, for you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. Verse four, and then, everyone say then, then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Now, girls, I love these verses and I feel like I've read these to you before. One more time, my fellow believers, verse two, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, again, that is somewhat of a mystery, our faith being tested, it stirs up power within for you to endure all things. And then again, as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection, miraculous, into every part of your being until there is nothing lacking and nothing missing. Verse five, very interestingly, goes on in the context of failure and humanity. And it says, He will overwhelm your failures with His generous grace. So let me pause here for one minute. This is for free. So often in life, when we are feeling our humanity, or we see failure, or we see whatever around, we get overwhelmed by it. But God actually wants to overwhelm the failure with His grace. And that's in my journal at the moment, and that is precious, that He would overwhelm that. He would turn the thing around. He has this ability to turn it around on its head, amen? So here's my just thought. It's obvious really from Scripture. When it seems... Again, verse two says, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it differently. The ability to see through what seems. The ability to see through what seems to be consuming you or overwhelming you is part of the mystery that will set you apart. And it sounds perfect here on paper and it sounds perfect as I say it, but it is true. When you are surrounded, when you can't see through and you're feeling overwhelmed, feeling not safe, we have to, his brother James said it. Hey, when it seems you've got to see through, you've got to learn to see through what seems to be consuming you. And I promise that if it does, it is going to set us apart Um, in the landscape of Christianity entering 2020 and onwards, whatever that might look like. And it's actually gonna set you apart in the landscape of your own up personal um, relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, what's your favourite movie? Hard question, hey, if someone asked me that on a panel, I actually couldn't tell them right now. (sighs) All right, do you know what I think my favourite movie at the moment is? The Shack. And I have talked to you about this many, many times, but it impacts me. I've probably watched it 10 times and every time it impacts me in a profound way. So, you know, Mac, I'm not gonna tell the story, Mac, the character, Sam Worthington, hallelujah, (laughs) cannot come to grips. He cannot come to grips with the fact that God abandoned his little girl. In his mind, God abandoned his little girl and she was killed. And then in the conversation, he says with it's an uh, allegory, I think. I think you could call the movie that. And then he turns to God and he says, and you left your son on the cross. You abandoned your son on the cross. 
And in response, Papa, who is like the metaphor of God, literally says, I never abandoned them. I never abandoned them. And she said, I know it was a she, she said, Mac, you misunderstand the mystery. You, I never abandoned them. You misunderstand the mystery. And then as an aside, God says, um, your problem, Mac, is that you don't believe that I'm good. And when you don't believe that God is good, you fall into a trap of thinking the challenges or the landscape or whatever, or the wilderness is His doing. I have a friend overseas and um, <clears throat> in ministry and she uh, has served the Lord all her life. She has never drawn back. She always says yes. And then disappointment happened within the landscape of her children, her family. And by her own admission, she said that she just got swallowed up in the sorrow of it. She got swallowed. It wasn't even her, it was her children. She got swallowed up in the reality of it. She got swallowed up in the sorrow of it. She said to me, I was just heartbroken that this was happening. And then she said, I got angry with God. I said, God, all my life I've served you, all my life. And this is how you reward me. And I was like, this is a friend. And I'm like, babe, you know that's not true. He doesn't, that is not the reward. That is not your reward. But you know, these difficulties in life that we often face are what track us into that deeper place of trust and knowing. Do you know, I've said this many times since 1994, people. Um, in life, there is that which is deserving and there is that which is undeserving. Some of you young ones need to hear this again. Deserving. In essence, in life, we, um, we reap what we sow. We do. But sometimes because we're in a fallen nature, we sometimes encounter stuff that we didn't sow. That is undeserving. And even when we do deserve it, we do deserve it, that's where the grace factor comes in. So you see, it's like, it's, it's a different world we live in. And so I just wanna encourage you, again, if you're drowning in something or you know, someone who is, remind them that this isn't from the hand of God. God is not the author, He is a good God. Life happens and He will always use something. He will use it to His glory. And there's a mystery one day in eternity, right? Right, there's a mystery. Ask Katie Samways about that one. You know her story. Other girls, April Miller, you know the stories. It's important, amen? Verse three in there says, verse three says, for you know, it says verse three, for you know, you know this, don't you? No, you, do you know this? He wants you to know this. For you know that when your faith is tested, again, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release that perfection. You know, again, James, brother of Jesus, no small thing, gave us this letter for a reason. And I cannot exhort us enough or for you to mark it in your, in your um, psyche for, you know, maybe something down the track. Okay, read it. If you're going through a tough time or a friend's going through a tough time, Cut it, paste it send, it, send it to them. Read James. Let it speak to you again. Amen. And again, especially, 
Um, especially if you're struggling with that sense of overwhelmed in the midst of. Especially so, amen. He will overwhelm your failures with His grace. I got, I got the team to put this on the screen, but again, I believe that a sense of safe and sound grows in the midst of difficulties. You're gonna put it up, guys? You got it, there you go. A sense of safe and sound grows in the midst of difficulties. And uh, it grows, just pause there, it grows. That's what it does, it grows. This is life, it grows. We're growing together and we're growing well in Jesus' Name. But you know, when you grow in something, you realise, you know what, God has never failed me and He's not gonna start now. He's really not gonna, and I, that, I take that on board. I take that on board in, in context of sometimes the, the, the media landscape that we live in, etc. I am like, He has never failed me before and He's not gonna start now. And then second, I believe it's a narrow gate of revelation. It's a narrow gate, but it's a gate that the Holy Spirit can lead you through. And He will, it's a narrow gate of revelation. You know, like that's Scripture, that's, that's, that's the essence of our Christianity. Wide is the gate, but narrow, there's a narrow gate. And I believe knowing these things is a narrow gate and I just wanna exhort us all to take it, amen? Number six, okay, safe and sound is why we have armour and the angels and the assignment of angels. Safe and sound is why we have armour and the assignment of angels. Look, honestly, you could speak forever on this stuff and we're not gonna do that. But you know, hashtag don't forget the angels. And hashtag don't forget your armour, girls. Honestly, this is all serious. Psalm 91, who loves 91? Psalm 91 speaks of angelic presence. Verse 11 says, God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. Psalm 20 that I gave you last week is foundation. It says, may supernatural, everyone say supernatural. Supernatural help be sent from the sanctuary. May He support you from Zion's fortress. Okay, so we have armour and we have angels. We must not forget that. So we have to remind ourselves, girls, that we are in the company of angels. And it's unseen and it's a mystery, but it's Amazing, and I don't fully, I don't pretend to fully understand the angelic realm, but I am trusting enough to believe that they actually exist and that they are present. So you know what, you've got to choose. So personally, I choose to believe in God of the angel armies from the message. That's how Eugene puts it, God of the angel armies. I choose to believe that. I choose to remind myself of the angels, and I've told this vision many times, of the angels that are all around this property, protecting a house and a message that is precious. Angels dispatched, I saw it in a vision, dispatched from high heaven, sailing through the atmosphere and landing, boom, 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 around this building. Told you many times, and I'll keep telling you. And I saw them there, huge angels with their swords raised. And the Spirit of God spoke to me down there, down there in a, lingering at the end of a Sunday night service and said, while their swords are raised, nothing will touch this house. You gotta remember that about your own life. So I choose to remind myself of the random woman who swam across the swimming pool at the Marriott Hotel in Queensland and said, you've heard me do this. You can all do this. You can all, you know my stories. And said, Brian and Bobby Houston, giant angels watch over you. And I went, what? And then I turned around and then I turned around and she was gone. I know, angels swim. <laughs> I don't know. I choose to remind myself, hallelujah, that because I love the Lord, 
Because I love the Lord, this promise in 91 is mine. It is mine. Let me read it to you. Verse, verses nine through 10. When we live our lives, when we live our lives within the shadow of God most high, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded. Then how, how then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? And you might be sitting here thinking, well, um, I've, I've been stricken with illness. Okay, but I read that last night and I was like, ah. But you know what? Maybe that's talking about losing our marbles in the midst of challenge. Maybe that's losing our grip on God because Scripture is full, isn't it, of saints who in faith never saw the promise actually, but will receive it in the thereafter because this is just a prelude to the thereafter. So, you know, you read that and you go, how could evil prevail against me or, or disease infect me and take me out? Verse 11, God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from harm. Verse 12, if you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. Verse 13, you'll even walk, I like this one, you'll even walk unharmed amongst the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. And I'll be honest with you girls, I have felt an overshadowing darkness since July. And overshadowing, I'm like, I'm not a spook. You know I'm not weird. <laughs> you so know I'm weird. But anyway, I'm like, wow, that is spiritual. It's like an oppression. It's just because we're in a landscape of like beautiful, majestic kingdom advancement. It just comes with territory, guys. But you know, I read that and I think, because you love me, Lord, I'm gonna walk unharmed here. I'm gonna turn my eyes heavenward and to hell with the darkness. Go back to where you came from. No. <laughs> Verse 14. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you have delighted in me as my great lover, I will greatly protect you and I will set you in a high place, safe and secure before my face. Verse 15. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray and you will find and feel my presence even in your time of pressure and trouble. I will be your glorious hero. I love it. And give you a feast. You'll be satisfied with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. And I just think it's beautiful that in this translation in verse 15, it says, you will, you will find and you will feel. And sometimes in life, you've got to find it first and then you feel it. You come out of a dark valley, Psalm 23, the valley of the shadow of death. You come out of that valley and I'm promising it takes a while for you to walk into the sunshine and feel the warmth, to feel the change. It's like, well, I don't feel it. I don't feel like God is with me. It doesn't matter. Find Him. Find Him. Find Him and then you'll feel Him. And it takes time for the light of God to sometimes warm your bones. It just does. It takes time. And then when it comes to armour, everybody say, don't forget the armour. Okay, listen to me. I don't know how this is gonna roll. But anyway, sometimes in life, you just wanna go to bed with a sexy um, nighty on, right? But um, sometimes for the sake of your marriage, you need to go to bed with your armour on. And no, I'm not gonna go there. But I could go there. <laughs> I'm talking metaphorically. You're like, yeah, like not every marriage is perfect. And a marriage bed that is supposed to be undefiled is sometimes defiled. And you're like, I have a commitment here. I'm like, I, and it's like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, yeah, no, I'm losing, I'm naked, but I am, I have got my armour on. I have got, I might be taking my bra off. I cannot believe I'm actually saying this, but I 
and putting on a breastplate of righteousness. I am guarding my mind here. And of course, I am not talking to anybody in this room. But you know what? Who knows, what I'm, who, who knows really who I'm talking to? Sometimes you've got to put your armour on. You know, sometimes in life, uh, do, you, do you know what I'm saying then? You all know what I was saying? Yeah, well, good job. Anyway, TV will be like, what was she just saying? I have no idea. How, how will we edit that? I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, guys. Yeah, um, sometimes, um, metaphorically, you want to do life in your trackies, right? You just want to do life in your trackies with no shower, no deodorant. But you actually need to shower in the Word of God. You need to actually get up. Come to the store. You need to get up, have a shower, shower in the Word. You need to put on some deodorant so that you are actually fragrant and not fungal. And you need to switch out. You need to switch out the spiritually defeated trackies because they are not going to um, disarm any fiery darts that might be coming at you in life because you're vulnerable or you're weary or you know what, you're just a little bit woe is me-ish. You've got to put on the army, armour. Ephesians 6 is part of our arsenal. It is our safe and sound arsenal. So you've got to get good at it, girls. It's basic Christianity, isn't it? Every season of life. You know, early, early will I seek Thee. Early will I turn my eyes heavenward. Uh, armour. You know, um, out of my mouth all the time. His mercies are new every morning. Love, remember His love in the morning, His faithfulness at night. That is armour. It is arsenal. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And that my soul knows very well. Armour. So again, we've got to remember these things. Armour protects what is vital. Trackies, spiritually speaking, just let it all hang out. You're just hanging it out there. And they might be comfortable because sometimes staying in our sad place is comfortable but there, is, there are no saving disciplines to trackies, right? You know what I'm saying here. So um, I don't know what defines and makes your armour unique. Um, and there will be something beautiful about your distinctive testimony and story and revelation. I don't know what makes your armour unique. We're all same, same, different. We're hopefully all gonna be wearing our armour to sisterhood and to life and to church. And it will look a little bit different because it's unique to you and it's your revelation. I don't know what it is, but dress up in it, amen? And we will just all turn to each other and go, nice armour, babe. I mean, you can just turn to someone right now and do that. Just just look them up and down, you know? Go, nice armour, like you are rocking that. <coughs> And again, you know, soldiers, God likens us to an army and soldiers at times. Soldiers go into battle with their kit on. They have to go in with their kit. Psalm 20, again, foundational says, may God give you every desire of your heart and carry out your every plan, which again is vision and destiny and wonder and dreams and aspiration. But then it actually says, as you go to battle, So, you know, to have destiny and to have a future and to have your aspirations and to have that sense of God's calling on your life, it's a battle sometimes. So we just got to dress up in our armour, right? Number seven and eight, I'm going to just give you the headings and not um, anything. So I think number seven, safe and sound, is a narrative and a song that doesn't wane in the trenches, the tempest or the battlefront. I'll save that for another time. And then number eight, I believe that safe and sound is found in the realm of prayer. 
It is found in our closet, amen. And so again, that needs due diligence and we're not gonna have time to do that today. But um, we seeded prayer as being part of this October fight month. And there is so much that could be said about prayer. I mean, it is a weapon. It is part of the armour, having done all stand and pray. It's our arsenal. I have written books about prayer, um, chapters about prayer in the Sisterhood book and Stay the Path, the Fight, the the Ability to Pray. Um, Honestly, we have to learn how to ambush the ambush in life and take care of people. And so that's a whole nother realm. But today I have actually got some girls that I'm gonna ask to come up and join me, three beautiful girls. And we're just gonna have a little chat. Is that okay? Yeah. Eh? In the last few minutes that we have. So here they come, amazing, gorgeous. <laughs> and um, so I sat in a, how am I gonna do this? We're gonna pull this one across here. Oh, praise the Lord. Yep, stage, gorgeous people. (laughs) Amen. Thank you. Mm. Mm. That bless you. I just needed my little fisherman's friend. So um, I just want to get this right. I'm not going to get it wrong, but... On Tuesday, we were sitting with some of the the girls that we we planned stuff with, and um, I said, if I was just to pull three girls up... Sorry, microphone... (laughs) Let's start again. Take two. All right. So Tuesday, sitting with some of the girls that we plan stuff with, and I said, if there were just three, three great girls in, in um, here that have um, insight to prayer, who should I choose? And uh, immediately the girls were like. Definitely Karen, definitely Lucille, and definitely Becca Brew. So for those of you who don't know, this is Karen Irving. <laughs> I was joking with her. I always say Irving, and Brian always corrects me. And you're amazing. So you have been part of church for like something like 32 years, correct? Yes, Married to Tony, who's a phenomenal photographer. Three children. Three children. Two amazing new grandchildren. Yes. Just giving you a little introduction here. Um, many of you know and love this girl, especially on this campus. Many of you won't from around Australia. But um, incredible lady. Whenever I see her, she says, I'm praying for you, Bobby. I'm praying for you. I never stop praying for you. She's been part of um, pastoral care for many years, something like seven years. I was on staff for seven years. Yeah. Volunteered, I guess, since we arrived 32 years ago. Yeah. And volunteering in different capacity right now. But um, you had some real challenges and we've stood with you in those challenges. And you've been on this platform before and talked about that. So, you know, you had a brain tumour and you actually had a cancer scare. Yes. So I had breast cancer last year. And I had a five centimetre brain tumour that was removed five years ago. Yeah. So that's been an You're ongoing... Just a legend. Yeah. yeah. And Lucille here, Lucille Pippet, many of you know and love her. <coughs> Deeply loved. She and I have been trying to have lunch together for a year. Yeah. I reckon tomorrow. I reckon it's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. Are you, are you yeah. free for lunch tomorrow? Um, I can make it happen. Yeah, yeah. well, I we'll talk <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so um, she's amazing. So you got saved in London? Yes, I did. Yes, yeah. then you went to Cape Town. Then moved back to Cape Town and then got married there and then moved to Sydney. Moved to Sydney. Yeah, that's right. How many, 11 years ago? Or? Um, no, about nine years ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, married to Steve Pippett, who is legendary in our world when it comes to creating all of this and especially when it comes to the tours and what have yeah. you. You're on your own a lot. 
because you release him to a lot in that landscape. Yeah. Got three, three children. Kids, yeah. Three. You're a twin, I heard. I am. And you yeah. have twins. And I have twins, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty Big special. Shot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then Becca Brew, everyone give a shout out for Becca Brew. All your, all your buddies in the, in the city will be cheering for you. Becca's amazing. Originally from Paraguay, beautiful. Her parents pastor the most remarkable and powerful church. I've never actually been there, but um, I hear that it is spectacular. I love your mum. She's so kind. She always comes bearing really exotic gifts for me <laughs> with like a very special message attached to them, and I love it. That's her. <clears throat> and you came to college in? 2008. 2008. Sorry, yes. And she's on team and on staff, and Beck is actually um, what we call a brand manager. We don't really love that word, but nevertheless, we have certain brands within our our house. Conferences are a brand, they're distinctive, the worship genres are brands, what have you. So Beck oversight, she's brand manager for Hillsong Conference and um, Worship Conference, and we have a meeting after this, right? So I was told, um, I know this one, the other two, I didn't know this side of them, I, I, I didn't. And so I just wanted to ask you each one question in context of prayer, because it is a remarkable reality. Um, what does prayer um, mean to you and what does it look like for you? Right. Well, I grew up in a family that um, my parents were missionaries. And um, so when I was a young girl, we moved to a children's home um, in Sydney. And so from a young, a young age, I learned to pray. Um, my earliest memory was my grandmother praying that my parents would become missionaries in China. So um, firstly, we grew up in a children's home and I learned to pray for over 100 children that were around me from a young age and I saw many miracles happen. So that was the beginning of my life. And then when my grandmother um, prayed that my parents would become missionaries in China and then they went, um, we continued to see miracles. So learning to pray became journals that go back to the 70s. And those are miracle books because what I wrote turned into miracle stories. And that continues to this day. So they're books of miracles. And my praying is never connected, uh, never not connected to the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So they have to be connected. I guess the filling of the Holy Spirit, everything that Bobby preached today is about the word of God, the sword of the spirit, um, praying in tongues, all the tools that God's given us. So you're really disciplined. So you write down your prayers. Yes. You articulate them onto paper. Because that's my personality. I yeah. think it's what works for, you know, for, you. for all of us. That's so what you, works so for me. So you make it tactile and tangible. Absolutely. You marry and, the Word of God. And I may speak out loud. So if no one's around, I'll walk around my house you know, you know, and I'll go to battle because I've learned to have to battle for my life because I've had health challenges. I'll battle for my family. I'll battle for friends. I'll battle for Bobby. <laughs> you know, I will go into battle. And, um, but, you know, we, we sense there are in something that's far greater than ourselves when we learn to do this. So. There's something powerful about actually writing out the Scripture, isn't it? Absolutely. And in a world where we do cut and paste, see, when I'm writing a message, you know, you go in, you want that translation, so you go into the, um, into the app or whatever and you try and cut and paste it. Well, I'm having difficulty cutting and pasting a certain translation, so I've had to sit there typing it into my notes. But it's almost like writing because I'm actually, it's making me not just do a cut and paste, but it's actually making me type every word and think about every word. It's the same. It's, it's powerful in that context. Lucille, mother of a young family, what does that look like for you? Well, I think for me, prayer has really been my, um, 
It's been my safe place. It's been my um, a place where I can go and I can actually take everything that is heavy on me, anything that I, I don't have wisdom on. I, I see it as pretty much going and talking to my father, talking to my dad. Like I, my dad passed away when, when I was five years old, so I've never had that. And, um, and I haven't, I've been a Christian for what, maybe 20 years now, so I've never really known prayer. Um, but I just felt that um, if I'm going to be doing this journey, then I'm going to need help. And so I, I see prayer as taking, um, taking burdens, taking things that I don't have answers for and going to him and saying, look, Dad, I, I have a problem. Um, I, need, I need advice. I need wisdom. And who else better to ask than your dad? And so I find it as um, a conversation um, where I'm encouraged, where, and I, I may not get the answers right then and then, and I don't always go sit in a chair and pray. It's when I'm doing the dishes, when I'm in the shower, when I'm driving, um, and I don't wait to get into a particular place to pray if someone is saying, hey, can you pray for me? Um, I used to be like, oh yeah, okay, when I get there, I'll pray for you, and I felt the Lord say to me, no, do it now, because you forget, like I want to be integrous with praying, and um, I forget when I get there, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got a long list, and I don't do it, so I found that for me was, yeah. while I'm cooking, it's like pray, um, and I would actually do that. Because yeah. I was going to ask that question, you pretty much answered it, because you know, you, you can't just go into your closet for like five hours. Who does that anyway? <laughs> the intercessors do that. But anyway, I mean, you can't yeah. do that when you've got a young family, when you've got a husband who's actually yeah. got a, a big calling on his life and his absence. So yeah. Beck, Beck Wood over here says, can you ask her, does she just pray with one eye open? Because you've got to keep, keep yeah. track of what's happening around yeah. you. And so I think you answer that beautifully. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm, I think sometimes people expect us to have this, like even Brian and I, to have this big formula and to be, look, I, I am organic for me, it just happens. It's, it's, it becomes a habit and a discipline in your heart. Yeah. It's a constant awareness. Yeah. Not always. Sometimes you forget, but sometimes you're like, I think prayer is that. It's, yeah. it's so many, there's so many things, to, so many layers to the wonder of prayer. And theologians and amazing men and women of God have written profound and beautiful things that we could lay out and quote. But go find them yourselves. I just think the everydayness of this. And obviously you're, you know, you're an effective young woman. And Thank I see you, you front and centre. I see yeah. you alongside Cass and your friends down here. Even when hubby's away, you position yourself. And I think that's noble. Thank Back, you. what does that look like for you? What does prayer mean to you? What does it look like for you? Um, I would say, prayer for me this year has actually changed my life. Um, I had come into the year with a lot of disappointment from previous, I guess, prayers prayed and discouragement with not seeing breakthrough. And I felt like God really spoke to me about, um, about the importance of praying not unto breakthrough, but praying unto, um, because He's the reward, because He is the one that is the ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment of every dream. And so I found myself praying that, um, that He would get every dream out of me, that He would receive the full reward of His sacrifice out of my life. And in that prayer, I just started to, um, I don't know, it's like it, it's a refocusing and like even speaking in tongues, it edifies us. And so for me, it looks like I will often pull away and I'm such an introvert, so I'll like walk and I will walk for five hours um, and I will pray in tongues and I will listen to messages and, um, and just worship. 
And for me, it's just, it's changed my life. I've gotten around some really awesome prayer warriors like Ethelini and, and those guys who pray in the city campus. And it has changed my life to be around people who pursue the Holy Spirit and who are hungry because I believe that there's measures of breakthrough that only come out of praying and fasting. And we see that in Mark and Matthew where the boy that was demon-possessed couldn't be cast out by the disciples. But um, Jesus, as they pulled Jesus aside, um, they said, why can't we do this? And he said, these kind of demons only come out through prayer and fasting. And I was like, God, I think that there's a, a level of revival and there's measures of breakthrough and measures of depth that we um, are called into, but we can only go there if we pull away, if we actually press in, if we actually like go after God for who He is and not just because we want to see our dreams and our, our things come to pass. And so God's working on me, and, but it's changing me. I love that you run and you walk and you exercise because once we were at Bondi, Brian and I, a number of years ago, I looked down the street, here comes this girl looking so good. You know, little white exercise thing on the whole nine yards. And I was like, wow. And then I went, that's back. <laughs> so you see, you can, <laughs> you can look good <laughs> and just be a prayer warrior out there. Do you, let me ask a quick question. Do you pray about your job often I for do. wisdom within that? I do. I think it's just something that I've learned to, um, it's, it's something that I feel like I can generally go into a striving mode where I feel like I have to do and I have to be and I have to tick these boxes. And God's like, pull away with me. Let me give you divine strategy. Let me give you a heart for what I want to do. Beautiful. Because my, my desire is championing the local church. Like, honestly, if we were to talk about what I do, like marketing is, is one thing. But what we're doing is championing the church. We're championing the creatives of our house. And so if I just look at it as a job, I'm, I'm messed up. But God wants to give me divine strategies to show how to invite more people into this house, into what we're doing, and to see people go forward. So I love that. So when you're a brand manager, it's about the science of what is happening. It's not just limited to something pretty like this. It's actually the science, the trends, and so that we can actually be proactive on the front foot of stewarding what has been entrusted. And I, the thing that I actually do love about our team, our um, those amazing people who work alongside of, of Brian and I, is they seek God. They seek, we seek God for, um, for the arching, uh, overarching language. We seek God for the intent. We seek God for how um, a mechanism, like you see, we're very spoiled in this church. We're really very spoiled weekly <laughs> um, for um, how to bring that and for it to resonate in people's hearts. So you're amazing in that regard. We've only got a couple more minutes, but um, <clears throat> I mean, I think you've shared how prayer has um, sustained you, you, especially I know that it sustains you right through and look at you sitting here and, and what have you. But, um, you know, if there was one thing that you would like to pray over this room or these rooms, what would that be? Beck, what, if you was one thing, if you were to, I'm not asking you to, to pray for, for five minutes, all right? <laughs> Just have to say that. We've got to get you out of here. But if there was one thing that you would like, for example, if there was something that I'm throwing you under the bus, but you're a creative, they love being thrown up under the bus. I hate being thrown under the bus. But if there was something you would love to pray over all the girls in um, Victoria, what would that be? I mean, 
honestly, I, I would pray that God would be the absolute uh, focus of your affection and that God would become your ultimate dream, that he would be the satisfaction that fills your every single being because out of that comes the fullness of Christ and out of that comes the ability to see breakthrough. But it's, it's never unto the breakthrough. It's never unto just um, the way we see with physical eyes, but that he is the reward, you know? And so I pray that for everyone in Victoria. Lucille, if you were gonna pray over young families and the mums, what would you, what would you pray over them? Um, again, my prayer would be that, um, that they will find and just cultivate the relationship with the Lord because it doesn't matter whether you're in the storm or on the mountaintop. If you've got him with you, like you'll be good. Like I just found that for me was, um, I was in a situation where fear just completely overwhelmed me on every side and it didn't take me out of the situation because I was 35,000 feet in an aeroplane um, for 17 hours and fear overwhelmed me and I couldn't go anywhere. And the only thing I had was the word and praying. And the only thing that got me through was knowing that he was with me. So that got me through it. So I just find that if you know the Lord and you've got that intimacy with him, that it doesn't matter where you are because we're gonna have mountaintop seasons and valley seasons. But if you've got him next to you all the time, like you're gonna be fine, more than fine actually. Beautiful. Karen, Oh, I had a great question. I just forgot it. So not Oprah. Anyway. Um, I like, what would you exhort the sisterhood? The sisterhood is like, she's, she's broad and she's diverse, all ages. What would, what would be a prevailing prayer that you would pray over our Hillsong sisterhood? Here in Australia, Bali, but around the world. Um, that... I guess Jesus is our good shepherd, that he provides safe pasture for us according to John 10. So if we, we understand that he provides safe pasture for us to dwell in and that he is the gate, that he keeps us safe from predators. So if we fully grasp that Jesus is our good shepherd, that we, when we live righteously and in that pasture and he is our good shepherd, and we're in that pasture. Not, no harm can come to us, and that's a profound revelation. It's a profound revelation. So things may happen to us. We all, go, you know, we can go through difficult times, but the love of God and the and the good shepherd that is with us, He is looking after us, and we follow His voice and we listen to His voice, and yeah, and and study John 10. <laughs> it's a good it's job. A, yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're going to do that as a sisterhood. Amen. Yeah. We're going to grow yeah. in the knowledge of Christ and the knowledge of all these things. Yeah. By the grace of God, we're going to see the boundaries and the borders of sisterhood, Hillsong, Hillsong sisterhood, stretch and grow. And we need to stir up the measure with them because this is a good environment. It's a safe place. And there's oceans of girls out there who yet need to come in and experience this. Amen. Father God, I thank You for today. I thank You that Your desire is to keep us safe and sound. And so Lord, we commit ourselves to You. And we pray, Father God, that You would overshadow us all the days of our lives. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. 
I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.